Hello and welcome to Living Veda. I'm Rachel and I want you to live long and live well. Together, let's explore the ancient art of Ayurveda and yoga so that you can build a life well-lived. I'm here to teach you these truths in a modern and livable way, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my friends, and welcome back for part two of The Subtle Body. So this week, we're going to dive into the chakras, the nadis, and the marmas, and I hope to hit a few other key ideas and vocabulary terms around the way as well. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, that's where we get super clear on what the subtle body even is, the layers that compose it, and why that matters. But here's the big takeaway so far that's still true for all of the information I'll share with you today as well. You, my friend, are a lot more than just a physical body of flesh and bone. And this can be perhaps the easiest to conceptualize when we think about the mind. The mind is not physical. You cannot do surgery on your thoughts. But you can absolutely see how they have an effect on the health and the well-being of the physical body. In the Ayurveda and yoga world, the mind, the emotions, and more are all a part of the subtle body system. These sciences use techniques to help heal and restore balance to the subtle aspects of ourselves as well as the physical. Your physical body and your subtle body are intrinsically connected and the health and flow of one will have an effect on the other. And if you're introducing, not introducing, if you're interested in going deeper into these concepts and really wondering how they can all apply to your life, please check out the intro to Ayurveda course that I've created. It's literally called, What is Ayurveda and How Can It Help Me? And it is going to walk you through philosophy, doshas, nutrition, and how to make that uh, something you can use in your real life right now in about 35 short digestible videos, four quizzes, and then just a ton of visuals because, uh, I mean, our attention span needs help, right? And hopefully at the end of the course, you'll really be able to apply this knowledge to your life. But for now, I'm going to continue to teach you just some basic concepts, so hopefully everything else we talk about in the future will make even more sense. So in the physical body... We know how important circulation of the blood is. If blood isn't moving through the body in the way that it should be, then we have a host of problems. So your blood can be too thin, or the blood can be too thick, which leads to clots. And on either end of that extreme, we could have a life-threatening situation. In the energetic body, on the pranamaya kosha, we need energy to flow smoothly, much like we need blood to flow in the physical body. So if energy is leaking out, when we have too much of it, it's moving too freely, then we're going to have a problem. And in the same way, if energy is blocked or stuck or clogged, we are also going to have a problem. So to stay with this analogy, the organs that move energy through the subtle body on the pranamaya kosha are called the chakras. And just like the organs in the physical body work together, the chakras work together in the subtle body. So if one chakra is working too hard and overproducing and overspilling energy, it's gonna have an effect. 
If a chakra is underproducing or stuck, it will have an effect. So this doesn't mean that if one chakra is struggling, the other chakras just shut down and break down. What it means is that one part of the system will have an effect on the overall whole. And we see this in the physical body as well, right? If the heart is strained, it has an effect on the other organs as well. Okay, so there are seven chakras. Again, this could be a literal entire course in and of itself, and maybe I'll make that one day if you're interested, but I want you to understand the basics with me now so we can move deeper later. You can easily correlate the chakra system to ideas in Western psychology around hierarchy of needs and personal development. And there is a great book out there called Eastern Body, Western Mind that explores these connections in great detail. But for now, I'm going to give you the highlight reel of each chakra. So what is a chakra? A chakra can be thought of as a wheel of energy, each with a different property. Those energetic wheels are positioned all the way up your spine. The first one is placed at the bottom of the spine, and the last one is at the crown of the head. Each is associated with a different color, mantra, element, planet, and purpose. Each one can be in three different states, and this is important. It can either be a balanced chakra, a deficient chakra, or a chakra in excess. So all that means is it's balanced and doing good, or there's not enough of that energy, or there is too much of that energy. So because each chakra has a different purpose and a different type of energy that it's associated with, each one can create different types of problems at the physical level. And a lot of times we see the correlation between the location uh, of the chakra and its placement in the body, and then the organs and the physical aspects of the body around that chakra being affected by that specific energy. Um, but anyway, each chakra can have its own healing strategies and balancing strategies as well, though a lot of them will overlap from one to the next. So if you've ever heard of people talking about kundalini rising, this is the space that they're talking about. So in everyone, there is a dormant energy at the base of the spine, and it's called kundalini. It's often described as a coiled up snake. Now, when we start to awaken to the higher levels of ourself and move deeper into an awareness of the subtle body, that energy, that kundalini, that sleeping snake at the bottom of the spine, whoosh, it starts to wake up. <laughs> and when kundalini, or that coiled up snake, starts to wake up and starts to move up the spine, the energy changes names to shakti. So when it's asleep, it's kundalini. When it wakes up and starts moving, it's shakti. And that shakti travels up through the chakra system as we become more and more awake to our own true nature. So for now, let's start to go through each one of the chakras individually at a basic level. The very first chakra, the root chakra, is Muladhara. So this is the foundational energy center that relates to survival, self-preservation, and security. It is located at the very bottom of the spine. So if you have too much of this energy, it's going to start to look like hoarding fear, and greed. Like, I don't have enough of what I need. I don't feel secure, so I'm going to just gather up more of it around me than it probably makes any sense. And that is the, the 
excess of what this energy center could look like. So in complete contrast, too little of this energy, so not enough sense of security and foundation, and you start to have boundary lacking and just like an anxiety storm. And that is the deficient state. So if you have just enough of this energy or it's balanced, that's where you start to find those lovely, grounded, stable, connected, trusting, wonderful <laughs> human beings. And I've already talked a lot about this specific chakra in episode four. So if you want to know more, you can go deeper into the root chakra talk in that episode. And as I move into the, the following six, I'm just going to stick to the balanced state of each chakra. And we can go deeper later. Okay, so the second chakra is called Swadhisthana. It is located at the low abdomen at the sacral plexus, and it's all about self-gratification. This is an emotional center, and it is strongly tied to sex and pleasure and enjoyment. Okay, the third chakra is called Manipura. It's right at the solar plexus, and it relates to a sense of self. So I think identity. Uh, it's all about personal power as a human being. And it is related to self-esteem, to confidence, and to autonomy. Moving on up. <laughs> the fourth chakra is Anahata, or the heart chakra. So this is the love center. This is about halfway up the spine at the heart level. And it's the turning point in the chakra system where we move from more ego-based energy centers up towards the higher spirit-based energy centers. Okay, now, when I say ego, I do not mean the bad kind of ego that gets associated with like a, a high school girl who thinks too much of herself, not at all. I mean the, the personality version of the self that every single human being has. As we move into higher levels of conscious awareness, our relationship to our ego changes. There's a shift from identifying with the ego to watching and observing it. And this is at the heart of all spiritual development. It's the ability to shift identification, and it's a big deal. <laughs> okay, we'll keep on going up to the fifth chakra, the Shuddha chakra, or the throat chakra. So this energetic center is all about speaking your truth. It's located at the throat, and it relates very strongly to communication and to intellectual creativity. Keep going up. The sixth chakra is Anja, and it is the third eye. This energy center is right between the eyebrows on the forehead, and hopefully you've had a yoga teacher direct your attention up to this space before. This is a self-reflective space that allows one to see things clearly. And last, and certainly not least, the seventh chakra is Sarasra. It is located at the crown of the head. If Shakti energy makes it all the way up to the chakra, then we're moving into the space of liberation, of true self-knowledge, and of higher consciousness. Okay, now, of course, there is a ton more to say about each individual chakra, but I hope this is giving you just a really basic understanding of 
what the system is, where it is, and how it works. So to review, we have whirling energy centers that move from the bottom of the spine to the crown of the head, and they are intended to help keep energy flowing freely in the body. And there are two other major subtle body systems that work with the chakra system. And these are the nadis and the marmas. These are also really big, complex ideas that can be books and courses and lessons all by themselves, but I'm going to try to give you a basic understanding of what they are here. So where the chakras are like big, energetic organs, important epicenters of energy, the nadis are the channels that disperse that energy throughout the body. You might even think of them like the, the vascular system in the physical body. So it's said that we have over 72,000 nadis or energetic channels in the body. And of those 72,000, 14 of them are really important. But from there we can whittle it down even more to just three main nadis. And to make that as simple and honestly a little bit oversimplified as possible, we'll just think of them as left, right, and central nadis. So there's three main ones, left, right, center. The inda nadi is located on the left side of the body, and it's most easily accessed by breathing through the left nostril. So this left side, this energetic channel over here, is lunar in nature, and it's subtle, and it has a calming and a cooling quality to it. So if you close your right nostril and you only breathe through your left, it will often have a calming, cooling, soothing effect on the body. Okay, now on the right side, we have pingala nadi. So on, this one is, again, located on the right, right nostril, and it's most easily accessed by breathing through the right nostril. So unlike the left one, this right side is active and solar and warming. And so if you close the left nostril and you only breathe through the right, it's going to have an energizing, warming effect on the body. Okay, the last major important one is Shashumanadi. And this nadi is the one that runs up and down the spinal column where the chakra system is and it goes through the chakra centers. It is often associated with spiritual practices and it usually involves a breath through both nostrils and holding it in, holding it out, and things like that uh, as we move into this space. The Hatha Yoga system is all about these nadis. And when I say Hatha Yoga, I'm talking about uh, the yogic science system from the Hatha Yoga Pratipika, which is different from the path of Patanjali, which is the one we just barely touched on in part one when we talked about asana. So it, it's not just a movement class that's not as flowy, but it's an ancient yogic system from the Nath yogis. And an entire science developed to balancing the ha and the tha, or the solar and the lunar aspects of one's energy so that a balanced state can occur. So you might think of nadis as the veins that energy, or prana, travel through. Prana is life force, and if it's getting stuck somewhere, we need to clear a path so that it can move again. 
And a good Ayurvedic yoga therapist is watching the way that you move and breathe and observing where things look and feel stuck. And we can use yoga asana and pranayama or breathing techniques to help get that energy moving again. When energy starts to move as it is intended to do, all sorts of really wonderful things can happen as a result, like improved digestion, improved menstruation, improved fertility, creativity, ability to sleep, and just an ability to enjoy your life at a deeper level. So an Ayurvedic practitioner um, is also going to use something called Nadi Parkashan, or they might. This is pulse diagnosis to get an idea of how energy is moving in the body. And it's going to show us what doshas and what subdoshas are in and out of balance, what tissue layers or datus need attention. This is an enormous subject. I just want you to know that it is a thing that it exists. Taking your pulse to feel your energy and have an awareness of what's going on. Okay, so if the chakras are the huge energetic centers and major intersections of the nadis or energy channels, then the marmas are the smaller stoplights on the way to the big intersections. Marma points are referred to in more than one way in different texts, and that can be confusing. They don't even all agree on how many there are. It could be 107, 108, we're not sure. So for now, let's think of these special energy intersections as spaces that allow for manipulation and change. So a trained Ayurvedic uh, therapist will use these points in massage to help move energy in the body. It's really a lot like acupuncture points in Chinese medicine, incredibly similar. Um, a yoga teacher who has Ayurvedic Marma knowledge can push on these points in asana poses as well to help a student move uh, more deeply into a shape. So here is the point, good people, which I hope you've already picked up on. <laughs> you are a lot more than just the physical body. And how things are going in the subtle body has a direct impact on the health and the well-being of the physical. And I bet this, this isn't hard for you to see, right? Like the steadiness and the health of the mental body absolutely affects the physical body. The energetic body flowing smoothly absolutely affects the physical body. Your connection to the higher and more subtle parts of yourself has an effect on your physical body as well. And a really tangible example of this impact of the mind and emotions is on digestion. Okay, so you could be eating a really beautiful looking, beautifully prepared, seasonal, organic masterpiece of a meal from the top chef in the world. But if you are fighting back tears and you are stressed out and you are on edge, it is probably not going to sit well with you. The mental and the emotional body are absolutely connected to the physical body. And when you work with an Ayurvedic yoga therapist or even just begin to explore on your own, please take into account all the layers of your being. The way that prana or life force is moving through the energetic body, how the subtle systems are facilitating that movement, what kinks or ease you can find in the mental body and just what needs help where. It is a big, beautiful picture 
with so many tools and possibilities for change, for ease, and for well-being. So if any of this, like vocab words or concepts or whatever, if you have questions about any of this information, let me know, y'all. I am on the Instagram, uh, Lady Circle. You can send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to email instead, I'm hello at datacircle.com. Either way, I'm here to help. And I'm glad you're here. Those of you who have been leaving reviews, thank you. Those of you who told a friend about this, thank you. Please do that again. I would really appreciate it. Um, thank you, friends. Be well. And until next time, may all diseases be conquered as by a powerful forest fire. Thank you and goodbye.